Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. The 2021 NFL Draft is in the books, but there is still plenty to wager on over at betonline.ag. You've got the NBA, the NHL, Major League Baseball, and oh, by the way, you can still bet on plenty of football-related items, rookie futures, NFL futures, who's going to win the Super Bowl, how many yards are some of these top rookies going to throw for, run for, receive. It's all available to you at betonline.ag. Check it out today. TDN Fantasy. The TDN, Fantasy, the TDN Podcast. Fantasy Podcast with your host Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy Podcast. Chris Schubert, Jamie Eisner, Jake Arians. Back again, Wednesday edition of the show. On Monday, we did the first round rookie fantasy fits. We finally know where these players are going to play in 2021. So if you missed that episode, please go and check it out. We go through all the first rounders and discuss if we like where they ended up from a fantasy perspective today. It's those, uh, it's those second, third, fourth, fifth round guys. We're going to the later rounds to discuss some of these fantasy lists, uh, fantasy fits. I have a list next to me, a lengthy list of names that we're going to get to. Some names that aren't even on this list that we are going to get to. A lot to discuss. And it's so I'm so happy since I put this list together that the first name we get to discuss, the guy atop the list, my new wide receiver, Elijah Moore of the New York Jets. I love this for so many different reasons. And I think from fantasy, he can have a huge impact in year one because I think he's just going to take over that Jamison Crowder role. Jake, I'll start here with you. Elijah Moore, this new offense, Zach Wilson in New York. Do you like this fit? What better than to give a young quarterback, a young slot guy to grow with, right? He can play all over the field. Lane Kiffin did an unbelievable job of getting him open down the middle of the field against safeties. Ran 4-3, doesn't necessarily play 4-3, but that doesn't really matter. He plays football. His tape is phenomenal, uh, and I love the fact that they paired him up with Zach Wilson, young together. Jamison Crowder, I don't know that he takes that role over immediately, but he's going to have to play in the slide, and that is Jamison Crowder's role, so you probably save some cap space, move on from there, although it's a really good player with a lot of production. I love this pick. I love that they got a receiver. I love that he's an inside guy to go with that young quarterback. Like I said, you already got some big physical freakish athlete guys on the outside I love that you threw a young run after the catch guy that played down the middle in college a ton and, and add him in there with that quarterback safety blanket yeah I really like this pick a lot as well uh I don't know if you have noticed Chris but for our listeners out there I have updated all of my fantasy rankings right now as you're listening to this quarterbacks wide receivers running backs tight ends post draft I went 70 deep at wide receiver and I still feel like I'm missing some good names uh, and actually, Elijah Moore came in at number 53 for me. I'm really excited to see what he can do this year. Uh, he's so explosive. He's a great separator. Still raw as a route runner. There's still areas of his game he needs to continue to develop. But he's speedy. He's a threat to score every time he touches the ball. And he's going to be on offense that's going to have to throw the ball pretty significantly, particularly late in games. So I love the opportunity for him 
in New York. This was a great pick for the Jets, a great pick for Zach Wilson, which was the theme of what the Jets did early on of how do we build around Zach Wilson? Because the next five to 10 years of our franchise is the success or failure is based on what Zach Wilson is able to do. Uh, I like this a lot. And he's intriguing for me for fantasy purposes. I think he slides into that like wide receiver five category, somebody that you're going to take on your bench to start most of your leagues might, you know, might work his way into your lineup there on certain bye weeks, a fun player to kind of have in best ball formats, but that's where he lands for me right away. Yeah. I, I think this quick passing offense that the the jets are going to want to run, I think caters to what Elijah Moore will be able to, to, to bring to them. And I think it's a great fit to pair him up with. Zach Here's my Wilson. question with that, Chris, and why I say, I don't know that Jamison Crowder is going to leave yet. You're talking about a veteran, pure route runner that gets the nuances of the game to play in zone against them. If their cap situation allows, I don't know that they move on from him yet. That's my only pause and hesitation of loving this as much as I think I will for fantasy purposes because I love the player. I just think they're better off keeping a veteran receiver like that if their salary cap will will allow it. By the way, I love love the Jets draft. I agree, and I think ultimately what Joe Douglas is going to try to to have here is if the cap allows it, I don't think Jameson Crowder goes anywhere because I think they learn from we didn't give Sam Darnold enough, and so we're going to err on the side of caution by giving Zach Wilson maybe too many options, right? We want to have all of the options at play for him offensively. So I agree with you that I think at this point, Jamison Crowder just has stayed on the roster. And we talked all offseason about, oh, Jamison Crowder's just going to get cut. Jamison Crowder's just going to get cut. Yeah, after Corey Davis signed, after all he's the too things. good. There. But he just tends to be there, and they have the cap space. That that number isn't a problem for them. So I think at least early on, yes, Jamison Crowder is probably still going to uh, to be around. Well, the pick right after the New York Jets in the second round, Javonta Williams goes to the Denver Broncos. Jamie, I'll start here with you. We, we've talked a lot about this Denver offense and how the quarterback is really the big concern. This running back room has some names in it. Where do you see Javonta Williams fitting here in year one in this room? That's going to be the big question. You know, Melvin Gordon's coming into the last year of his deal. It looks like this type of a move says we're not going to invest big capital in a free agent running back again like we did when we brought Melvin Gordon in. Obviously, Philip Lindsay's gone off in Houston now as the team parted ways with him. Uh, you know, in year one, I'm not as bullish as I wish I could have been. Um, I really wish he would have ended up in like an Atlanta or a Miami or a place like that or New York where he would have been really featured because I think Javante Williams has a decent chance of being the best running back in this class. I'm not saying he's going to be, but I'm saying he's got as good a chance as any of the other top two guys. He does a lot of things really well, even if he doesn't have the same ceiling as those other guys. This is not the ideal situation for him to be in year one. Now, year two and beyond, it's going to be a really advantageous spot for him. So if you're looking in dynasty formats, I wouldn't drop him anywhere lower than where he's been going in drafts. You know, but in single, in uh, redraft leagues, I ended up putting him at RB31. Um, I think he's somebody that could be in that flex consideration for you, probably high-end bench guy. I just have concerns about when we're going to start to see him have a featured role. And I don't think with a player of Melvin Gordon's caliber, this isn't as easy as saying, oh, he's just going to have a huge second half of the year like we thought for DeAndre Swift or we thought for J.K. Dobbins or some of these other players or Jonathan Taylor. Because Melvin Gordon is a lot better than the the Marvin Max of the world and the Carrion Johnsons of the world and some of these other players that we were – and the Mark Ingrams of the world. Those were the players in front of these rookie backs that were coming in at the top of the second round last year. Melvin Gordon is younger and significantly better than all of those players. Um, so 
I guess maybe he's not younger than Marlon Mack, but he's better than all of those players, younger than the other two. So I don't think this is as easy as saying just, you know, grab him, stash him, and then he's going to be a top 20 running back for the back half of the season. I do think he's going to be fantasy relevant. I do think he's worthy of being somebody that you move in and out of a flex spot. But for year one, this is not an ideal scenario, but I still think it's a good spot for years two and beyond. Dude, I hate this. Chris and I were talking before the show how much I love a couple of these guys, how much I hate the situations they ended up in. I was watching a workout video of Melvin Gordon a couple of weeks ago. He looks freaking phenomenal. He's pissed off. He's motivated. He thought he was going to be the dude for the year. Last year of a two-year big contract, right, with $10 million both years, whatever it was. Does he become trade bait? Does anybody want to pick up Melvin Gordon for $10 million? I highly doubt it. I think he's the dude unless he gets hurt. I hate this for Javante Williams. I, this kid is a freaking stud. Picking up the blitz, doing everything, all three downs. But the guy in front of him is still a damn stud. I hate this situation for this year. I absolutely hate it. Yeah, it, it's tough. And, and, and Jamie, I think to, to your point, right, there, there's going to be a role for Williams in this offense, but it's just a question of is he going to get enough touches on a regular basis? I can see in the first half of the season, there are games where maybe they ride the hot hand and he plays extremely well, but then the next week it goes back to Melvin Gordon getting the lion's share of touches. And you're just playing this game of, I don't know what to expect on a week-in and week-out basis. Yes, but I think we also thought, thought the same thing last year. And, and look, Javante Williams is a, is a, a superior talent to Philip Lindsay, as good as Philip Lindsay has been. But we thought about this last year as well, and it didn't manifest. They really made the decision that they were going that the clear 1A was Melvin Gordon. And, and we kept waiting. Oh, no, Philip Lindsay looks good. You know, he had, to, he had a couple of these really good carries, but they were consistent with Melvin Gordon last year. This feels like a move that they're making with the future in mind. Now, every team is going to use multiple backs, whether it was a 16-game season, a 17-game season, or whatever. That is the NFL we live in nowadays. Multiple backs are going to get used. The thing is, is I have no reason to believe, as much as I love Javante Williams, that he is going to be the 1A before 2022. There's just no reason to believe it. The Arizona Cardinals add a new wide receiver to their offense that they hope to be uh, to be explosive in 2021. Rondell Moore, the next name up on this list. And Jake, I'll start here with you. You and I had a pre-show conversation about this where I, I voiced to you my concerns and my skepticism of this. And I, I guess the question I have here is Rondell Moore in, do you see him immediately slotting into that wide receiver two role right behind DeAndre Hopkins? Or is that spot still A.J. Green's to lose? I think it's still Christian Kirk's. That's my biggest problem with this. Again, I love the kid. I love the ability. I love the run after the catch. I love the toughness. It's another little slot guy that they already have a couple of. I don't think A.J. Green's got a lot left. So does Christian Kirk end up having to play outside and Rondell Moore finally takes over the slot, depending on what Larry Fitzgerald does? We're all assuming he's gone at this point. Uh, I don't know the fit, man, to be honest with you. I, he should. He's the most talented guy next to DeAndre Hopkins to be the number two there. I think Christian Kirk playing in the slot and moving around could be very effective. He could probably stay healthy, but they've already got a couple of these guys. Andy Isabella was a second rounder. That's not become a thing. Is he gone? Is he off the team? Is he depth piece at this point? Again, I love the player. I don't love the fit necessarily. Yeah, I agree. This was, this was a head scratching pick for me. Uh, I, I was okay with them taking a receiver. I just don't think this was the receiver they should have taken. Uh, look, Rondell Moore is, he came in for me at my wide receiver 68. So a wide receiver six, he's kind of in that same tier where, where I have AJ green and maybe just above Christian Kirk, where I think probably gets hurt the most by random Moore being on the team. 
I know the Cardinals run four wide more than any team in the league, and it was a big reason why when we talked about our shows and talked about them getting maybe a Devonta Smith or a Jalen Waddle that I said I'd be on board with it. This is not Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, Rondell Moore is explosive. He's got a pretty solid catch radius uh, for his size, but it's limited, um, and it has led to drops before. He's got the speed to run away from coverage. He's got great rack skills. Like, he's, he's dynamic and must watch with the ball in his hands, but – He's still a tremendous injury risk. I don't think he's a seamless fit into this offense or what they want to do. I, I think there's somebody that like, if you're in best ball leagues and you want your last pick of the draft type of a thing, cause he could have a couple big weeks, but I, I don't particularly love this fit. I don't love this fit from an NFL standpoint. I don't really love it from a fantasy standpoint. So he's kind of in that like wide receiver six ish territory for me of guys you're taking flyers on with your last couple picks in the draft. Yeah, I know Cardinal fans went nuts, Jamie. Like, they're they're excited. They love this player. They love the dynamic ability. And you said exactly kind of what I was thinking. If they're going to go four wide, and Christian Kirk and Rondo Moore are your slots with A.J. Green, DeAndre Hopkins on the outside, I kind of like that. But if that's the case and you're throwing it all over the place, one, that doesn't work for the entirety of a game. It doesn't work for the entirety of a month. Does which who? What happens if A.J. Green is not any good? Is that Andy Isabella goes outside? Does Christian Kirk go back outside? Andy Isabella comes inside if he's on a team. And then there's a lot of mouths to feed. If you're throwing it 50 times a game, four wide, he probably has 10 targets. But what do they look like? I, I just – I don't know. There's so many questions there. Again, I really like the player. I just – the fit is – makes it – is a little bit of a head-scratcher. And, and, again, I think in redraft formats, Jamie, tell me if you disagree with this, but – since we don't necessarily exactly know the role Rondell Moore is going to play and they have A.J. Green and they have Christian Kirk, it's really tough to envision what kind of target share Rondell Moore is going to get. So it's tough to take him and, and, and put him in a flex spot, a wide receiver three spot, and expect some consistency until we see what this offense looks like. Yeah, no, and that's why he's in wide receiver six range. Like this is purely a speculative flyer that you put on your bench. Like there, there's nothing more than this should be. And to be fair, there was going to be an element of that no matter where he went because dudes played seven college games. Right, the there's the injury years. thing as well, right? Yeah, yeah, you you have to add that into the mix. So uh, this is a wait and see. I think for all three of us in redraft formats, maybe in dynasty, if you want to take a flyer on him late, that that I I can see the the, the long term play there. But yeah, I think we need to see how Rondell Moore fits in to this Cardinals offense. Another wide receiver, Dwayne Eskridge, goes to the Seattle Seahawks and. I like this fit. I think Eskridge's skill set fits what Seattle is going to want to do. Jake gave me the double fist pump for it. So, Jake, I'll go to you first here. I th- it, it feels like you're in agreement with me that this is a good fit for what Seattle wants to do. Man, I love this kid. I- I've been talking about him for a couple months now. He reminds me a lot of Antonio Brown coming out of college. Uh, I know the Bucks loved him. A couple other teams I talked to absolutely loved his ability to not only play inside. This is the one that's like, okay, it's a little fast guy but he doesn't have to just play a slot. He can play outside. A lot of people, that's going to shock a lot of people, but he can. And he's basically Tyler Lockett coming out of college, which is pretty damn good and explosive. You remember him coming out of Kansas State, 4-3, return guy that developed into a really good receiver. He might be a better receiver already than Tyler Lockett was coming out of Kansas State in the third round. And that draft, I just love this because of what they do. They're going to – Russ still has to cook. For them to be okay, they can't just try to run it. It's another guy with run after the catch ability, get open ability, a lot of wiggle, a lot of speed. And now Tyler Lockett's become more of this possession-ish guy. I know that sounds a little funny, but it's kind of what he's been the last year or two. And you have another explosive over-the-top guy to go along with DK Metcalf. I, I love this pick for them. 
I liked it as well. Uh, and look, Eskridge hasn't played wide receiver that long. I mean, he the, the last year was the first time he played full-time wide receiver. He's a converted defensive back. But what I really like about him is he can run the full route tree. And that is something we do not see from a lot of the college wide receivers coming out, particularly those that aren't going in the first round. We do not see guys that can run a variety of routes. He's got strong hands. He's a playmaker, a little bit older than some of the other rookies, but you don't care about that for fantasy purposes. I really like this because there were, there were times last year where David Moore kind of cropped up into like, maybe this is somebody you need to pick up off waivers conversation. Now Dwayne Eskridge steps into the role as the wide receiver three in Seattle. Cause I mean, their next best option was like Freddie Swain. So he's going to have come in and he's going to have a role right away. You know, again, somebody else I kind of have in this same category. I ranked him right now at wide receiver 64. Again, a bench option, back into your bench type of a player. But there are going to be some weeks during the bye weeks where he has an opportunity. And if something were to happen to Tyler Lockett, if something were to happen to DK Metcalf, he's going to be thrust into a bigger role right away. So he's definitely somebody that's on my radar for fantasy purposes. And this was a really good spot. I was going to be intrigued by where that day two-ish wide receiver went to Seattle just because there was a clear wide receiver three opening that they didn't have anybody to fill. And I think Eskridge can fill that role pretty admirably. Name same thing. Name something that Jamie has loved more to do over the last two weeks than mention that Freddie Swain was going to be the wide receiver three in Seattle. Because it's, it's, it's... No, bad. I get it. But it has been your brand the last two weeks that you have brought that up every chance that you get. And speaking of day two wide receivers, the pick... Right after Dwayne Eskridge is the is the next name that we're going to discuss because I am fascinated by what the Los Angeles Rams did here by taking not Tutu the word I would use. because I have the, the depth chart up over here on my other screen and somebody explained to me how Tutu Atwell from a fantasy perspective is going to fit into an offense that already has Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Van Jefferson, and Deshaun Jackson. Jamie, you're scratching the back of your head. I will give it to you first. Please explain this to me. Um, I, I, I'm. Could not be more all the way out on Tutu Atwell, period. And I cannot fathom a team that didn't have a first-round pick using their second-round pick on Tutu Atwell here when they have offensive line needs and other issues. But did Tutu Atwell make the top 70? No, he did not. He did not, okay. He wouldn't make the top 80. Um, dude's going to be the smallest player in the NFL. Um, I know he's fast. I know there, there's some rawness there. But I love Van Jefferson a lot. <laughs> like, to me, I can't see a role where, he, where Tutu Atwell is anything more than the fourth or fifth receiving option on this team at best. It's a questionable pick for me. I don't think he's going to be in a position to be a year one or maybe even year two contributor for this team. Uh, I don't get it. Like, I, I just, I just, this pick made no sense to me. Uh, and, and if you watched our live draft show and you saw me walk out and make the pick and I talked to Trevor Sikama, who was hosting, I said, you will never guess this pick. I, we could have stood up there for two hours before somebody brought up Tutu Atwell's name in that spot for the Rams right in, in the 50s. Don't get it. To me, he's not fantasy relevant, even in best ball formats, just not somebody that unless you're unless you're like in a dynasty and you're drafting a deep dynasty league or something. I just want nothing to do with Tutu Atwell. I just don't see a path to him being any sort of not even consistent contributor, just like a contributor for three enough three games to be worthy of a starter. James, here's the thing. Like we, we killed Devontae Smith, the best pure receiver in this draft, purely because of size. If Devontae Smith was six foot one eighty. He'd be one of the greatest prospects in the history of the world. Tutu Atwell's 20 pounds lighter than the Devontae Smith frame that we've all killed for months now, right? Fast, yes. The ability to start and stop is a luxury in the NFL. He has that. Another place I might not hate it so much, but you hit the nail on the head. Van Jefferson is the offensive version of Antoine Winfield Jr. 
Dad, Sean Jefferson's a receiver, coach in the league, played a long time, played at Florida, developing nicely. To me, this says somebody's on the block. And I don't know who it is, but it's going to have to be Cooper Cup or Robert Woods because they're the ones getting paid the most. And we know the Rams have cap issues. But you just traded for Matthew Stafford. You think you got a window to win the Super Bowl. So it doesn't really make sense that any of them are on the block either, especially to replace them with Tutu Atwell. I, I, I don't know. This one, shocker to me. Again, you hit offensive line needs and plenty of people there at 50. I had a feeling that this was what you guys were going to say, but I still felt we needed to bring it to the listeners that Tutu Atwell uh, not going to make the final list of Jamie's top receivers when it is all said and done. Somebody that is going to make Jamie's list of top receivers for fantasy when it's all said and done. Terrace Marshall Jr. going to the Carolina Panthers. I love this fit. I love what he's going to be able to bring to Sam Darnold in this Carolina Panther offense. Jake, I will start the Terrace Marshall conversation with you. I'm not as big a Terrence Marshall fan as you guys, but I think the value of where they got him, I really like. Uh, very solid player, well-rounded player, coming out of a big-time program. Uh, got relationship with the offense coordinator, of course, and Joe Brady. I like this. I love what they did in this draft. They got, they got better with younger players that can develop but are still pretty talented guys. If some of them stay healthy, they got a hell of a lot better. But they added another pure, well-rounded, big target, big catch radius guy to go with the guys that they already got. And they, were, they replaced Curtis Samuel. He didn't play that position, but they replaced him with another pass-catching option. I love this. Yeah, I, I like it. Um, to me, I ended up moving Terrace Marshall down a few spots from where I had him before just because when we originally were talking about a projection, we were thinking, oh, maybe he goes to Green Bay or maybe he goes to Kansas City or maybe he goes somewhere like that. And obviously Carolina and, and – they're going to throw it, but going to Sam Darnold is not quite the same. As it's Aaron not Rogers Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there's a, there's a little difference there. You really subtle. You have to be really, you have to really pick a close eye on it, but there's a little difference between Sam Darnold and those two names, but I still like it. He came in as wide receiver 59 for me. He does a little bit of everything well, and he's got good size, which is something that we did not talk about with a lot of these second round receivers in this class. Strong hands, got good ball skills, could tack down the field. You could play him inside. You could play him outside. Um, to me, I, I think the criticism of, of Marshall might be his stealing kind of feels capped. Like it feels like his best case scenario is he's a really, really solid receiver. It doesn't feel like he's going to ever, you know, he's not going to push his way into one of the greats. Like we like some of the top names in this class, but I think there's value in that. And I'm very curious to see how this offense looks this year. You get a new quarterback, you're getting McCaffrey back, you know, Robbie Anderson had the best year of his career. DJ Moore's coming back. You add Terrace Marshall to the mix and really pretty much what we all expect to be, at least I expect to be Joe Brady's last hurrah as OC in Carolina. I imagine he's going to get a head coaching job. You know, by this time next year, we're going to talk about which team he's the head coach of. I'll be dumbfounded uh, and shocked if that happens after two years. Sounds like almost, okay. That sounds. Like got, that could be. They're, a they're still. They're still not winning more than seven games. There's I don't think they're winning seven games. Oh, is I agree, this, but that doesn't is, mean they're not. Someone's not going to hire him. Is this a bet? They tried to him. hire him this year. <laughs> Nobody tried to hire year. him this year. His name floated around really highly. So we'll see. Media. But, right. but we'll see. But either way, uh, I like Terrace Marshall a bit as like a low end wide receiver five type of a player. Uh, that I kind of right right now, if I have him right there at number fifty nine for me, kind of in that conversation with like the Darnell Moonies, Lavisca Chenaults, and some of these other rookies, and ahead of guys like AJ Green. This is so weird. I got a name. I got a name to throw out here, Chris. Okay, this go one, ahead. one of my spots. All right, one of my guys we were talking about a bunch this spring. I think could be really good, but somebody in front of him needs to get hurt. This guy got hurt last year. Chuba Hubbard going to Carolina. I love. 
we love the player. I think he could end up in a better situation for him. But if Christian McCaffrey does get hurt again, this dude has massive relevance when it comes to when it comes to fantasy. He does everything, does all three things. Very simple. Got to stay healthy. But I don't know that he's going to have any role at all with Christian McCaffrey healthy. But I love his potential there as a handcuff or a backup. More so maybe even than Mike Davis once he learns what's going on in the NFL. I mean, I just want to throw that one out there, Jamie, because I like where he ended up. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a pure handcuff at this point, but you look at some player, like, who's he going to beat out? If, if something were to happen to McCaffrey, you've got Reggie Bonifon that's still there, Trenton Cannon, um, you know, they, they also, Spencer Brown, they also drafted. So, like, it's going to be his opportunity. Not a lot of opportunity. It's his, so, yeah. Right. So, it'll be his job if that were to happen, which, again, I, I think at this point, it's kind of shown if you're going to invest a top pick in one of these guys, you have to kind of handcuff them, especially if you can find a clear player to be a handcuff. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey coming into last year was the player that never got hurt. And then he got hurt. And it's just, it's a factor you have to deal with, with all running backs, well, all players in general, but particularly all running backs. Yeah. He's the clear handcuff for me. Uh, so I, I'm not sure I'm going to take him unless I have McCaffrey. Like unless it's a really deep bench or something. He's a player that I want to handcuff with McCaffrey, but I'm not sure he's going to be a player that I want to hold a bench spot for early in the season if I don't have McCaffrey on the roster. But he still needs to be on your radar in fantasy drafts. Yeah, very few times can you get a handcuff that can do damn near everything the starter can do. I mean, if, if McCaffrey is 100%, I think Troop Hubbard is 85% of what he can give you skill set-wise if he, if he gets hurt. Once he gets acclimated to the pro game, he's ready to go if, if he's healthy. I thought that was a for depth for them as a team, non-fantasy, I, I love that. So this is a very weird spot for me because I have been uh, very positive here on the show. I've been talking about, oh, I like this team's fit. Uh, I like this player here. And I'm not a positive person, right? I don't do that very often. The only pick I think I've really trashed has been Rondell Moore's pick. But we got to talk about the Washington football team because they had another they had another wide receiver to this team that I absolutely love this fit, Diamond Brown, going to this Washington football team. And guys, I don't know where Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to throw the football, but we know he's throwing it, and there's a lot of options, and it's going to be fun. I know where he's going to throw the football down the field. Yes, and if you wanted a rookie in this class in that second tier that can win the win down the field, it's Diamond Brown, Brown is that guy. Like I love that you're going to have Curtis Samuel at like I just I just love the flexibility of what this offense can do with McLaurin and Diami Brown on the outside. You have Curtis Samuel as your Swiss Army knife. You've got Antonio Gibson is your Swiss Army knife. You've got J.D. McKiss. I mean, you have three guys there that are going to rotate through the backfield in the slot. Um, you know, because you can you can line up McKissick and Gibson in the backfield, motion one of them out with Curtis Samuel going one side to the other, and you got two guys that can win out deep. I love what Washington has put together on offense right now. This is between that and that just absolutely dynamic front seven. This is a weird sentence to say the Washington football team are going to be one of the most enjoyable teams to turn on on Sundays. Like yes, from whenever they're on the field, no, you want to watch both them sides of the ball. I want to watch the yeah. Washington football team on Sundays, which is not something I think we've said in a very, very long time. I really like the fit here. I'm excited to see how he can, he can go. I'm trying to see if I, I don't believe um, he cracked quite cracked my no, top No, what? You yet. can't hype it up this good name. he not make the top 70. Well, but, not yet. But again, there's again, Chris, this is deep. Like I would encourage you to go online and look at the 70 receivers. And you could probably think of 20 more that could be in that conversation from 60 to 70. Like it's pretty deep. McLaurin's still going to get a lot of work. You still have Logan Thomas. You still have Curtis Samuel. I love the fit. For the Steven offense. Sims Jr. Your boy, Jamie. Yeah. Like I, mean, I love the he's fit. He's still there in a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like I love the fit for the offense. I think he'll have productive games, but I'm not somebody that I'm going to prioritize quite yet in fantasy, but I still love the fit. Is it me or is 
the addition of what they've done offensively, including my boy Fitzmagic, makes them the clear-cut favorite to win the NFC East? It's not I think so. To me, it's not even I think close. So. They are, I don't they think are, so either. They're a tier they away like, above yeah. us. They, well, they have a defense. They have one of the best defenses in the league, and now you've added all these explosive playmakers on offense with a quarterback that doesn't afraid to, not afraid to sling it. Leadership, throw it all over the freaking yard, run it if you want to. I mean, to me, they have separated themselves, especially coaching staff as well. In the NFC East, everybody else might put up 30 and lose 30, 33-30. It's going to be hard to score 30 on, on the Reds, the, the, the Washington football team. Like, I, I, I love this pick. I love everything they've done this offseason. I love Ron Rivera, period. Yeah. He's running the show by himself. There's no GM, and he's done a hell of a job. They, they have turned this around quickly, and they've put, and they, there, was, there have been a lot of criticism of them with, this, with trying to figure out who their quarterback is going to be, but they are doing a very good job of rounding out the rest of this roster first, and then it feels like here in the next couple of seasons, they're going to get their guy that's going to be their future franchise quarterback. So I love what they're doing. And, and I think, yeah, I, I don't think there's a question right now. They would be my pick to win the NFC East. Okay, let's have the, the San Francisco running back conversation. We're just going to insert a new name because it's Trey Sermon into the mix. And uh, Jake, you just you just did my you, you emoted my thoughts out loud. It's just a shrug emoji because I just don't know. They use so many different guys. We've seen the way Kyle Shanahan uses running backs. They can pull guys from all over the place and make them successful. And Raheem Mostert is still on this roster. So I just don't know how much Trey Sermon is going to be able to be involved. So is Jeff Wilson Jr. Right. Who is basically a little bit slower version of Mostert. I like the kid they took later in the draft better than I like Sermon. Sermon does not fit what they do very well. The stretch zone read pass catcher dump it off he just just doesn't fit like maybe they need a little bit more of a battering ram but that's what they've used jeff wilson for in the past like was it was a mitchell right from louisiana lafayette that they yep. took later on yeah. i like him better he's, he's more of a fit here for me he's a he's more the burner he's more the traditional kyle shanahan running back and i think immediately he probably has a more of an impact on this team trey sermon to me has zero fantasy relevance unless there are a bunch of injuries Oh, see, I'm on the opposite side here. Like, while I thought it was a questionable pick for them, I think Sermon's going to actually end up being the most productive Niners back in fantasy because I think he, I, I don't trust Mostert's health. They don't make this pick for Sermon to not have a two down role for him. He's going to come off the field on, on third downs a lot, but Wilson's got an extended injury history. Mostert's got an extended injury history. I think these two rookies. But you're talking are both about both of them being hurt at the same time for him to be able to have a two down role. I think he's getting on the field in the first two downs, period. And I think it's they're rotating these other guys in. Uh, I just, I think they make, they make this move with a purpose for Trey Sermon. I don't, again, I wouldn't have made it if I were them. That, that pick surprised me. I, just, I didn't think he was a fit either, but clearly they think something of him. I'm intrigued. Now, not in terms of like, we're not taking him as an RB2 or anything like that, but as we start to talk about flex plays, we, I, you know, Sermon and Mostert are now all in that kind of conversation there. But as we always talk about, confusion sucks for fantasy. And maybe we'll have some clarity with the preseason. Maybe there's an injury. Maybe there's a trade or a movement or something that kind of makes this a little bit clearer. But this this backfield has always been a trouble to navigate because of the injuries and because of guys rotating in and out. And Jeff Wilson has a huge week. Then the next week, it's Raheem Mostert. Then the next week, it's McKinnon catching five or six passes. And it's going to be like that again this year. This is worse than New England. Other than when we go yes. back to the Melvin Gordon talk about hey, he's not on the trade block because he's making too much money, I think Mostert is for sure. The way he's played, the playoff game he had a couple of years ago, that kind of speed, and he's making less than $5 million, if I'm not mistaken. I yes. don't think his number is not very high. I think he is extremely 
valuable on the trade block for teams. If they have an injury later on, I think they would move on from that, go with Jeff Wilson. Then Ben Sermon makes a lot of sense. I still think it's a weird fit for Kyle's offense. But again, you added Mitchell later on who really fits it. And maybe he's the third down guy and you still got enough backs to get through what they're trying to do. If you could get a, a valuable piece enough back for most of we will move on to the next player on the list, and I will ask the question this way. Jake, have the Green Bay Packers gotten Aaron Rodgers another wide receiver option in this offense in Amari Rodgers? Amari Rodgers might be the only Rodgers on the team next year. I still don't know what the hell is going on in Green Bay. Uh, I like him. Of the little fast slot guys we talked about, he's probably the worst and the worst fit here. Uh, I had Kadarius Tony mock to him just for that kind of player that you could move around, do a bunch of stuff, be a slot guy, run after the catch guy. Like Rondo Moore fits here. Uh, Eskridge fit would, like, would have been phenomenal fit in here. Uh, Darden would have been a great fit here. Uh, I mean, I like, I like Amari Rogers, but he's got running back build. There's a running back coming into college. He doesn't have true explosive speed. It's okay. It helps. I mean, he's basically the way I described Kadarius Tony was Randall Cobb, but faster and more athletic. This is Randall Cobb as Randall Cobb, which was pretty damn good when he was there young. But I, I don't know that it's any better than that. Yeah. And, and that's, that's exactly what I was going to say. It, it's Randall Cobb um, in the way that he'll be used. I have him as wide receiver 60 uh, in, for fantasy purposes. Doesn't have a huge upside. Like his ceiling is pretty low, but I do think he's got a decently high floor for a rookie. Could have a lot of opportunities assuming Aaron Rodgers is still the quarterback there next year. If that's Jordan Love throwing him the ball, then he's not going to be in the top 70. But if Aaron Rodgers is there and throwing passes for 17 games, I do think you will get, basically because of the other limited options, we haven't seen consistency out of Marquez Valdez-Scantling or some of the other receiving options there in Green Bay. So I, I would still take him in that kind of that flyer conversation that we're talking about in that wide receiver five, wide receiver six territory. But Everything with the Packers right now is contingent on Aaron Rodgers showing up and being their starting quarterback in week one, which is not a given. A couple other names here to discuss. The New York Jets add another offensive piece in the fourth round. They take Michael Carter, the running back at UNC. Guys, I really like this fit. I mean, I know that there are three other running backs in that room in LaMichael Pirine, Ty Johnson, and Tevin Coleman, but I don't think Joe Douglas makes this move if they don't have a, like we were just having with the Trey Sermon conversation, I think there is going to be a, a role carved out for Michael Carter right away. Jamie? I do too. Uh, one, I think he's the best back in that room already. Yeah. He might not start with the most work, but I think he'll get there. He's really strong on third downs. He's willing and able in pass protection. Just don't make him head up. He's still a smaller guy. But in, in other situations, he's good in pass protection. Great check down option. He's a good route runner out of the backfield. You know, he's he's really just a dynamic uh, player. I mean, he's more elusive than he is speedy, but he can break tackles. Like, he does all the little things that make you think he's going to get on the field and he's going to be successful when he's out there. And I think there's going to be a role for him fantasy-wise because there's going to be a role in that backfield. He He's my uh, running back 30 right now. Somebody's got to take over the load there. And even if he's splitting carries, it's not like LaMichael P. Ryan and Tevin Coleman and Ty Johnson are really scaring you long-term. Like, they don't have somebody that you go, that person's getting 25 touches a game. And to me, if you can even get 15 touches a game for Michael Carter, he is going to have some flex fantasy value for you. I basically have the same thing to say I had about Elijah Moore. Yeah, Elijah Moore. Uh, and I love this. You give a young quarterback somebody to grow with, his third down guy that he learns. The, the quarterbacks learn the protections as, as much as Carter's going to be learning the protections. They're learning it together. If they're out there together on third down a ton, 
that's another safety blanket. You gave a great slot guy that's got some wiggle that'll learn to have learn to separate. You give him a running back for third down that he can dump it off to. It's going to be at alert. He's already knows how to separate. He knows how to run routes out of the backfield. Did a phenomenal job of that in North Carolina. I absolutely love everything the Jets did in this draft. But if you're going to take that quarterback that high, give him some pieces to learn with now. I agree with Jamie. I think his role will grow. I think they probably want to start him slow. But I think he gets thrown in there as a third down guy immediately. It's kind of Tevin Coleman's role, but he can't ever stay healthy. He knows the offense. But I don't think that's a real threat. I think this kid's going to separate himself from that pretty early on, especially as the third down guy. And we'll, we'll see where it goes from there. I think he ends up taking over all of it. But I, I love this. The Lions add another uh, receiver to their offense for Jared Goff. Amon Ross St. Brown goes to them in the fourth round. Jake, do you? I like this pick. I, I think that this is a nice young receiver for them to kind of start their next chapter with. Uh, do you? Do you? Do you feel the same? Awesome name. Awesome kid. Uh, they had to do something, right? Uh, I'm a little bit sh- question why he fell to the fourth. He's better than his brother for sure. He's more well-rounded than his brother. Better hands. Um, yeah, they had to do something. I like it. I mean, they had to have a solid guy. He probably has a lot more fantasy value than some of the guys we've talked about. Don't you think, Jamie? I mean, there's not a lot of options in front of him that he's probably going to be the starter with a guy like Jared Goff that can say, okay, I like throwing this. I like throwing that. I'm good at throwing this. I'm good at throwing that. There's a decent amount of target share, I think, for him. Yeah, look, he's in the back end of that wide receiver five, top end of wide receiver six conversation, even though he went in the fourth round, because I think objectively the Lions have the worst receiver room in the NFL. Like it is Bashad Perriman, Tyrell Williams, Khalif Raymond, Quintess Cephas, Amon Ross St. Brown, like Victor Bolden. Like that is that's the receiver room in Detroit right now. Like that is a problem. And you have Jared Goff throwing you the ball. So you take Jared Goff away from Sean McVay and away from any sort of reasonable pass catching weapons. I don't think that's going to look very pretty. Like that's, that's all I'm saying there, but opportunities and matters and volume matters. And I, it's so weird because I feel like in a way, all of these USC receivers in recent memory are feel like the same. They're physical. They're not afraid to go over the middle. They'll catch the ball. Probably don't have like, doesn't have like the mega mega upside. I mean, Juju waste would pass that. But like, kind of feels like I know these different size and style, but like a little bit like Michael Pittman in the way we talked about his fantasy value of it's going to have a pretty high floor because of opportunity and because he's just physical and doesn't drop passes, but lower ceiling because doesn't have the dynamic skill set of some of these top options. But he has the opportunity to get a high target share right away, and they might not be as good at targets. But if the Lions are losing, which they will be a lot, and there's nowhere else to go with the ball. He's going to get peppered with targets. And even if they're low quality targets, at some point, the volume is going to take over and he's going to be fantasy relevant. Last name that I have on the prepared list before we get into maybe some of the other names that we're keeping an eye on. Jamie, you put this one on the list. Going back to the Carolina Panthers, Tommy Tremble, the tight end. Uh, I'm assuming you put it on the list because you think he is a relevant fantasy option here in 2021. And now you're making me a face that makes me think that I lied. I I wanted to bring it up. I end up putting him at like tight end 30. So to be fair, tight end 30 is not really fantasy relevant, but he was one that I'm just intrigued by because he was asked to block a lot. I think he's got some upside as a pass catcher. He believes he's got tremendous upside as a pass catcher. Ian Thomas has been a non-factor, has not factored into the passing game the way the Carolina thought. I think there's a chance that if we're looking for like at a position where there's really only one fantasy relevant rookie, if I'm trying to find a second one, because I didn't want to ignore all the other tight ends, I don't think this is the year for Fryermuth, not with with Ebron still there. 
I have concerns about Brevin Jordan and the hunt. I, I don't know where Hunter Long is going to play in year one in Miami. So if I'm trying to figure out like who would be rookie tight end two, if I had to pick one, I'm intrigued by the potential upside as if Tommy Tremble is unleashed more as a pass catcher and is given, you know, a handful of targets a game of somebody that could theoretically in a super deep league be on your waiver wire radar. But I just wanted to bring him up just so we got another sneak, another tight end into the conversation. Yeah, it's, it's tough behind pits, right? But yeah. he's more of an H-back. And they didn't really have an H-back at LSU with Joe Brady. He's going to have to more play tight end in the NFL, yeah. which will be a big transition. But if he's out there and takes over that role, then I don't hate it at all. I have two names that we didn't talk about, but I'll, I'll open the floor to you guys first. Are there any names not on the list that you want to bring up? My name, and he snuck in at the number 50 spot for me and my running back rankings. Undrafted free agent. Excuse me? Javian Hawkins. Wow. Look at you. His backfield is interesting to me. Obviously, Mike Davis is going to be the starter, but and they still they still have like Ito Smith or was it who which was the one of the guys they released? Was it Quandre Allison they released or was it Ito Smith that they released? I will look it up right now because I did not expect. You know, Smith's coming to mind, but I'm not positive. I just I, I'm just think, I didn't expect the conversation on the show to down. go this way. Uh, it was so, Edo Smith that got okay. cut. So it, yeah. it's it's Mike Davis, Quandre Allison, Tony Brooks, James, and Javian Hawkins. Mike Davis is a starter. There, there's no question about that. But Javian Hawkins is a big play threat. He's speedy. He's small. But if he can find a role in this offense, if Mike Davis gets banged up for a game or two. There needs to be a back in that offense. And we have seen Arthur Smith rotate some of these speedier guys in on third downs at times. I'm intrigued just because that's an offense. that's going to try to run the ball more. It's going to be high powered and high scoring. And there isn't really much competition for that backup spot with all due respect to Quandre Allison and Tony Brooks, James, Javion Hawkins has a chance with a good camp and a good preseason to move himself into that number two spot. They didn't invest the pick into a running back. Like we thought they would. That's just a name to kind of keep an eye on. I'm not sure you're necessarily drafting him with anything more than your very, very last pick if you have a, a moderate to deep bench, but that's a name you really need to keep an eye on because I would not be shocked if that's the player that in week eight is all of a sudden ranked as an RB2 because something happened to Mike Davis. I mean, Jake, are you, you're not going to mention Ramondre Stevenson? Is, that not, is he not going to come up at all here during the show? I actually Patriots? don't have him on my list. What? He didn't I make the did. list. It's, it's the Patriots. I know, but he, but dude, if he's he was clearly the RB two there, is he? Is he? I don't he? think he's clearly the RB two there. No, I think he's the RB three. Maybe we love Skittles Beast Mode Junior. Hey, we all love him. It's probably the only team he got red flagged by. Probably twenty eight of thirty two teams for probably. his life, off other than football. Yeah, I like the fit for his personality to go there because I don't know that he's on the team in week one. If he's like on a Antonio Brown like type leash, I'm guessing wherever he ends up. And in New England, that leash is shorter than everybody for most people anyway. Beastmo Jr. is an absolute monster. I don't think he's RB two, but if enough guys get hurt and they have to play him, I don't know that anybody else gets back on the field. I, I will say that you guys know I, the the play old school player, old school player. I I love the player. Bunch of issues. I don't know that I'd necessarily love where he ended up. No running back situation are you going to like in New England. Tylen Wallace is the other name on my list in Baltimore. We talked about it another day. I mean, I, I think there's definitely something to go there. Uh, it's going to be big plays, probably hit or miss, but I like his ability outside to win 50-50 balls. But that's depending on Lamar getting better. 
the next one on my list, I want to hear Jamie's take is Khalil Herbert to Chicago yeah. on a very thin backfield, a lot like the guy that's the starter there. I, I think this this is big. If they have any injuries, I think this kid could play. Struggle with some injuries at Virginia Tech, but big, solid, physical runner, fits what Chicago wants to do. I thought this was a great pick by them, adding depth to that room that was very thin. Yes, and I, and I think it creates a scenario where it really puts Damian Williams as my other boy's job in jeopardy. Because uh, you yep. look at the backfields now, it's Montgomery, Damian Williams, Tariq Cohen, and, and Khalil Herbert. Uh, I'm definitely intrigued by it. I don't – I haven't fully bought into the Montgomery hype train yet. Like, I, I know how good he was last year. I want to see it again. I don't think he's overly dynamic. But this is a team that's going to try to run the ball more. Now it's maybe a little bit better than we're going to think they are. Not that they're great, but – we're, you know, we talk about teams that are like Detroit's of the world that are just never going to be able to run the ball because they're just not going to have, they're going to be down in these games. Huge. It's not going to be Chicago's case. I'm intrigued. Uh, I want to kind of see how training camp works out to see who is the true, for lack of a better phrase, handcuff for David Montgomery. I also want to see how Tariq Cohen is used by Bill Lazor, which is another comp, which is something we have not seen yet. We saw how Tariq Cohen was used when Nagy was running the show. If is, does Bill Lazor have a different role for him is how, what is his status on the team? So the Chicago backfield is intriguing, but that, that is a, it's a good real life signing. I'm not sure I'm going to care for fantasy this year. Yeah. That's something to keep an eye on. But I, I love that. Yeah. I love the real life, the real life version of this. My, uh, my last name, we talked about a little bit the other day, but I, if Darden would have ended up in green Bay, if Darden would have ended up in Arizona a couple of rounds later, if they don't go Rondo, but this kid is an absolute stud. I just wanted to, to bring him up again. I don't think there's any fantasy relevance really for the Bucks. There will be, but you never know when it's coming. Yeah, so and they're going to have to have some injuries for that to happen other than punt returns. But this kid in the future is going to be a big time stud in, in Green Bay or in, in Tampa Bay. I just, they're not going to be able to keep everybody. If they win it again or make a deep run, whatever it is, I think he really contributes next year. One more name, Chris, I want to bring up. Okay. I just want you guys' thoughts on this because we, we're there's probably one name that people are screaming right now. I'm not as excited to bring him up because I'm a big fan of what Miles Gaskin and some of the other options in that backfield did. But do you think Jared Dokes will have any fantasy relevance in year oh. one? I do not. I don't necessarily no, think I'm skeptical. he's an upgrade over the pieces that they already have there. Yeah, I'm skeptical of him finding and carving out a role in year one. They're obviously happy with what they got. Right. Or they, they would have done something earlier in the draft with a, with a bigger, better, more dynamic player. So, no, I don't think so. He feels to be, to me, at best, a complimentary piece to, to yeah. Miles Gaskin. And, and I don't think fantasy-wise he's, he's relevant. Yeah, and look, they, they can kind of go what they did with it. It's, it's the Selvin Ahmed, Miles Gaskin kind of combination. Those guys got to stay healthy. Gaskin's got to stay healthy and prove he can handle a bigger load. I do think they'll be in the running back market next year, but they also kind of got sniped two years in a row in the second round and then didn't want to panic, which I think is okay. You, you get, it's funny. Cause you look back, the Falcons trade back in front of them twice. And the teams that trade up snipe a running back when it was JK Dobbins two years ago, it was Devontae Williams this year, uh, who they both reportedly would have probably taken with those picks if given the opportunity. But uh, it, to me, it's okay. I think miles Gaskin was really solid for them last year. He's somebody that should be on your fantasy radars firmly this year. Uh, as a player that was, I mean, he was at times, there was a stretch last year. He was a top 10 running back in fantasy. Now I think expecting that is a little bit ridiculous, but as a high end level flex play, I think he's absolutely in that conversation this year. 
that is going to do it for us here on the program. Uh, next week, we are back to doing a, another mock draft. Jamie, I do not have it in front of me. What is our format for the mock so, draft next week? It's different. We're, 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 dynasty. we're doing a dynasty one, right? That's so what round I thought. One, I, I didn't want to tease that, though. Yeah. Round one, it'll be a dynasty draft. So we're st- as if we were starting a dynasty league right now. Right now. Top 12 picks. Yep. So there'll be a little bit of a sh- single quarterback PPR, all the other stuff, but it'll mm-hmm. be really interesting to see now that we are going to include long-term outlook. How does the first round now shake out? Yeah. So you can I expect, like you can expect that next week, as Jamie has mentioned and teased throughout the show over at the DraftNetwork.com, underneath the fantasy tab, Jamie has updated his rankings and I was on them this morning. He shows you where they have moved. He shows you how many spots they have gained or, or have fallen from the last time that he did those rankings. So you will see just how this draft process and where guys have ended up have impacted not only their individual rankings, but their, their new teammates, right. And the players around them and where they're ranking things uh you know moved as well so you can see that over the draftnetwork.com underneath the fantasy tab jake where can everybody follow you on social media jake b arians on twitter and arians nfl on instagram jamie follow me at jamie eisner on twitter and jamie eisner tdn on instagram you can follow me on twitter at shoe radio s-c-h-u radio follow the show on twitter at tdn fantasy everybody enjoy the rest of your week we will talk to you on monday Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.